What do you think the biggest game is that you ever coached? Well, there are a lot of big games. You know, you, the first thing that comes to mind is what game did we win that, that, that saved my job? I told people I had been working on newspapers when I came out west, which was a lie. So I was offered a job at the Salute in the Navy Yard. And they said, well, of course, you have to have experience. And I said, oh, sure, I've had lots of experience. I, I worked for both newspapers where I came from in Carothersville, Missouri. I worked for the Democrat and the Republican. That's all I can think of. I didn't know what they called newspapers. They hired me. What do you consider the greatest challenges facing the Puget Sound region as we enter the next century? I believe the, the really big challenge is going to be maintaining a sense of community and conducting ourselves with mutual respect and civility as we address the challenges that will come up both uh, physically, economically, and personally uh, in, the, in the next few years. Don James, Adele Ferguson, and Jim Ellis. These are interviews I had with them about 20 years ago. Don James, the University of Washington head football coach from 1975 to 1992. He compiled a record of 178 wins and 76 losses and three ties. He shared the national championship with the University of Miami Hurricanes in 1991. He was inducted to the College Football Hall of Fame in 1997. He won four Rose Bowls and an Orange Bowl. He was National Coach of the Year in 1977, 1984, and 1991. Adele Ferguson, crusty integrity is how she was described. You know something, Leroy? If this ever happens again, and I'm down there sitting, and they have the Sergeant of Arms come and throw me out, there is going to be blood and guts all over the chamber, and it isn't going to be mine. That's when a Seattle PI reporter kicked her out of her seat in the press gallery in 1961. That's just a little antidote of what's to come with my interview with Adele Ferguson. Jim Ellis, known as the patriarch of this region. He is 97 years old, and rather than go into a long bio of Jim Ellis, you either know him or you don't. But from my point of view, there is no one, elected official or otherwise, who has had more impact on how we live in Puget Sound today than Jim Ellis. He is known for his vision and his civility. Greatest compliment of all, the people on the left, the more liberal base, said he was a creature of the downtown business. The people on the right called him a communist for all his social programs. What a great place to be. My interview with Don James coming up in just a moment. You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One more time, visit VoicesOfExperience.com. All one word. Our guest this week on U.S. West Profiles Experience is former University of Washington football coach Don James. My first question 
How did you become interested in coaching? Uh, well, when I was uh, growing up, I, I played high school football in Ohio, and uh, in our particular town, Masson, Ohio, was very famous for, for high school football, and Paul Brown, the former coach of the Browns and Bengals, uh, was the coach there in the 30s. I just, I you know, football was fun and important, and uh, I idolized my coaches, and uh, when I when I got into high school and saw what they were like, they were, they were doing what I really wanted to do. And then when I went to college, uh, I just I just upgraded uh, my goals uh, rather than coaching high school to coaching college. What do you think the biggest game is that you ever coached? Well, there were a lot of big games. You know, you, the first thing that comes to mind is what game did we win that, that, that saved my job? <laughs> and, uh, you know, that would probably go back to the 77 season. We started out 1-3 and three and we went down and played Oregon. We were actually underdogs, and uh, we won that game and then went on to win a, a championship. So, you know, the championship game or the Rose Bowl, uh, then you'd probably go back to the uh, national championship game against Michigan and the Rose Bowl. Which, which, you know, that's the game that, uh, you know, that probably brought the most recognition to the uh, University of Washington. How about the most memorable game? Well, there were memorable games. Uh, even when I was at Kent State uh, in 1972, we won the only conference championship in the history of the school, and that's before or since. They haven't won one since. But uh, we beat Toledo on the road, and that was uh, that was an incredible evening. The, the first Rose Bowl here, you know, we we won our game against Washington State, but we didn't know in, for a week, and you know, if, uh, if if we would go to the Rose Bowl or down to Texas, that was probably the most memorable game that we didn't play in. Oh, that's the UCLA USC one, yeah. the field goal. Yeah. I remember that and, one. Uh, so you know, I, the Orange Bowl victory against Oklahoma was uh, incredible victory. We were a couple of touchdowns underdog. First Rose Bowl, we were underdog. It's Michigan and one. And, uh, well, there are a lot of those. <laughs> what about the Nebraska series? I tell people now, you know, down in Arizona, we spend the winter down there, and, and there's some Nebraska fans, and uh, I, I said, you know the last time they lost at home? In 91, that was us. And, uh, you know, that was a memorable game there. What are your fondest memories in coaching college football? Oh, I think it was just the overall, you know, the people you dealt with, the players, the coaches, the uh, I, I really enjoyed uh, taking a team in the spring. Uh, this was always a fun time uh, that they're going through right now. They're in the winter program preparing for spring practice, and, and just they're, they're going to build the 1998 team, and uh, that was always fun. And once you got into the season, it was the week-to-week strategy. Now, how about your greatest disappointments? Well, I don't think there's any question. The one game that was the biggest disappointment in my 18 years at the university was the loss to the Cougars in 82. Uh, I think it was 82 season. We had... We had the Rose Bowl sewed up, and I think it had been the third straight Rose Bowl again. And uh, We were heavily favored against WSU, and we were a much better team. and went over and got upset. I recall that game, 24-20. Yeah, yeah pe- people still blame Chuck Nelson. You know, people don't remember that you don't get four or five points from a field goal. You only get three. That was his only miss of the season. <laughs> Coach, what do you think about the future of college football? key thing is to make the game safer and easier to officiate as far as the actual game itself. And then uh, the rest of it, a lot of it has to do with cost containment now, gender equity. There's a, just hours and hours spent, you know, with this balance of budgets and, uh, and, and women's sports. And, you know, the cost containment, we saw reductions in staff and reductions in salary and uh, scholarships, and that will probably always be out there as an issue. Finally, Coach, what can we expect in your future? Well, I've really enjoyed retirement. We, uh, we, we spend time here and in, and in uh, Seattle and also in uh, Tucson, we have uh, six grandkids, soon to have seven, and uh, most all all six of the kids now we have are active in sports, so we're going to little league game, to swimming, to basketball, to tennis, to baseball, 
It's been fun. Well, Coach Don James, thank you very much for spending time with us this morning on U.S. West Profiles of Experience. Thanks, Paul. Recently, Paul Casey had a chance to visit with a legendary columnist in this area, Adele Ferguson. And he asked her how she got her start. I told people I had been working on newspapers when I came out west, which was a lie. So I was offered a job at the Salute in the Navy Yard. And they said, well, of course, you have to have experience. And I said, oh, sure, I've had lots of experience. I, I worked for both newspapers where I came from in Carruthersville, Missouri. I worked for the Democrat and the Republican. That's all I could think of. I didn't know what they called newspapers. They hired me. Guy was told to show me where everything was. And as he showed me where everything was, he kept talking to me. And then he said, you know, you don't know, you don't know what I'm talking about, do you? I said, no, but I learned fast. Is there someone who influenced you? Yeah, I guess so. I guess Julius Gaius did. He was the editor of the Bremerton Sun when when the Bremerton Sun was the best small daily newspaper in the state. And he, he, he impressed upon you the business of being fair and being accurate and being on time. Well, I was a voracious reader. I read everything, but I just, I just simply liked to write. And I didn't know any place else that you could write unless you worked on a newspaper. They were writers. What story did you write that you believe had the biggest impact on a given situation? The one that probably got the most attention was when the submarine Nautilus came to uh, Seattle back in the late 50s, and uh, they put a notice out, you know, that it was going to sail up to Everett, and the media was invited to a few select reporters were going to get to go. So we sent my name in, and the Navy uh, called back and said I couldn't go. And I, we asked why, and he said, well, I, you're a woman. I said, well, yeah, I know that. You know, I noticed that. Gosh, you know, I look in the mirror all the time. So they said, well, we don't allow any women on the model. I said, well, why not? And they said, well, there are all kinds of powder rooms for the men, but there aren't any for the women. And I said, well, we don't have the separate facilities at home either, but it doesn't cause any problem. You know, my husband calls when he calls, I go and I go. And he said, well, you can't go. And I said, she's only going to be a couple of hours. Surely I can hold it from here to Everett. <laughs> he said, you can't go. Well, I called um, Henry Jackson. He tried to do something for me, and they, they, they refused. I called U.S. Senator Margaret Chase Smith of Maine, who was the first woman to ever go aboard a Navy ship of the line, and she hadn't been on the Nautilus either. So, but the Navy said, well, all right, they'll make a little deal with me. Okay, I can come down to the Nautilus, and I can step on board the deck of the Nautilus, and just before they leave, I have to get off. And I said, no, thanks. And I wrote a story about it, and it went everywhere it ran all over the united states particularly heavy you know on front page stuff in the in the navy towns and the other towns and the navy was just catching hell from the army and the air force and the other outfit what you know what a big bunch of pansies you guys are anyway a year later the nautilus came back and i got a letter from the navy officially inviting me to sail up to everett on board the nautilus and i went on board and uh they did a little ceremony and had the sailors out on deck, and they had a, gave me some cartoons showing an outhouse on the deck of the Nautilus and sailors marching up and down, and they made me an honorary member of the crew. And before I left, I didn't really have to go, but I thought, I owe myself this. So I did go, and then didn't even have to go, but I went in the bathroom and shut the door anyway, <laughs> just so they'd, they'd know that I wasn't going to get off that ship without visiting the head. What story are you most proud of over the years? I think I'm probably proudest of when I take on something that seems impossible, like some old guy over here at the Retzel Veterans Home that they're trying to kick out because he wants to know what they're doing with the money of the members. That what they always do with these veterans' homes is they stick some old retired captain in there and he wants to run it like a ship and everybody's supposed to kiss his behind, you know. So this guy wouldn't do it. And they tried to they ordered him out of there. And I took on the fight of not, you know, keeping him there. It took a year or so 
and I had a file that was two inches thick with stuff that I had written. And we fought, 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 and that guy got to stay. And that's the kind of stuff I guess I'm proudest of. The role of journalism today, the role of newspapers and the media, uh, how do you think it's uh, being portrayed today and how people are viewing it? And, and what do you us. think about that? People hate us. And I think one of the problems is after uh, newspapers, back when I first started in the newspaper business, which was back in the 40s, the late 40s, why uh, we were we were true journalists. Now, there's People always say, oh, you're Dale, you're a journalist. No, I'm not. I'm a columnist. A journalist is not supposed to have any bias or any opinion. A journalist presents the facts the way they are. Well, they got it got into advocacy journalism, and I think the teachers did it, the teachers in the journalism schools, were sending these kids out of the schools and so forth who were going if they were if they were the environmental reporter, they took the inside of environment and everything was environment and anti business and industry. And if they were in politics they chose what you know, they picked their party and uh, if you were somebody who was a conservative and you were kinder to the Republicans and you were the Democrats and vice versa. And people got tired of that. Reporters have tried to be more like what the big shots on TV are. They want to be part of the story. And I think they have to step back and not be part of the story. And if the editors let them get away with it, it's the editor's fault. They shouldn't do that. Are you optimistic about the future of this state? Oh, sure. What the heck? Here we sit on the Pacific Rim and all, even if they are going to take the Missouri away from us and take it over to Hawaii. Why, uh, we, we've got, I think another thing people don't realize is we really are going to be quite a, quite a defense state. Uh, I think we're going to get three aircraft carriers up right here in little old tiny Bremerton. I don't know how they can get them all in down there. But, but yes, we have trade. We're, we're very friendly with the Asians. We got Governor Gary Locke. No, he's a nice guy. And, uh, and it will be a good governor if he doesn't go overboard. But yes, I'm very, I'm very uh, optimistic about the future of this state. Very much so. What can we expect in the future of Adele Ferguson? Well, God knows I don't know. You know, I'm really, I'm stuck with this column. I can't, every time I seem like I want to stop it, I, I get an enormous amount of mail. I get a lot more mail than I did when I was also a political writer. So I think I'm going to hang around a while longer. I uh, write for about 35 papers in the state. And uh, I don't know, I, I, I keep looking around and I don't see any other uh, columnist laying down and dying. Look at Emmett Watson. He's still going, I don't know how old he is, but he's still hanging in there. I think you you get to where you like to write, and the only thing I don't like about it is you got to always have to think about that deadline. You get tired of meeting deadlines, so uh, I guess I'll still be just out there doing what I can, as long as people read it. You're listening to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, your host and producer. That was Adele Ferguson, columnist, primarily from the Bremerton Sun throughout her career. I don't think she was asked very many times, Adele. What are you thinking? What's on your mind? You've been quiet over there. Jim Ellis, visionary and known for his civility, coming up in about five minutes. You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One more time, visit VoicesOfExperience.com. All one word.
I'm saying quite a few times in this show that the real key to success in small business is execution. Meaning that if you have an idea, it really means absolutely nothing unless you get out there and make it happen. Let me bring in someone who kind of says the same thing, and his name is Reed Hoffman, and he's the founder of a small organization by the name of LinkedIn. One of the things I advise entrepreneurs to do is when you have an idea, a classic entrepreneurial impulse is to hold the idea close to you and not go tell people because, oh, the idea is so special. Right. That's almost always a mistake. Mm. Go talk to Why every- is that a mistake? Yeah. It's a mistake because your actual real competitive advantage is not that you have this idea that you have locked away in your closet, which may or may not be accurate and you have no idea which it is. Uh, your, your actual competitive advantage is if you're assembling the intelligence around does this idea work, what is the right team, mm. what is the right learnings, and we're essentially in motion. That's Reed Hoffman, founder of LinkedIn. Another thing is to get your idea out there. Don't be afraid that someone's going to steal it and run with it. That doesn't happen very often. And besides, if it's such a great idea, people eventually will copy it. Look at McDonald's. See this movie. It's called Founder, and Michael Keaton's in it. It shows the story of Ray Kroc and how he expanded McDonald's. He wasn't the founder of McDonald's, but he did see the potential. McDonald's was all about efficiency in the food business. And look at how many other franchises whether it's hamburger places, pizza places, taco time, even in retail, even in Amazon, speed is king. So that was kind of invented in many ways by the McDonald brothers out of San Bernardino, California. But again, Ray Kroc saw what the possibilities were and expanded McDonald's throughout the world. Don't worry about your competitors or someone stealing your idea. Again, if it's so good, someone is going to copy it. commentary today is on organization, the real importance of being organized and how that helps you succeed in business. It is one of my questions I ask on the self-employment quiz. Are you organized? In real estate, the motto is location, location, location. In business, it's organization, organization, organization. Time is your most precious commodity. The best use of your time should be spent selling your product or service. No one can do that like you. It is your vision. Don't abdicate that to someone else. Contract out repetitive functions like bookkeeping. Also, think about this. Saving two hours commute time a day will save you one full year of productivity in approximately 10 years. Organization or lack of organization often makes the difference between success and failure in the business. Success in business is all about developing systems that make doing your job at various levels easier and more profitable with each passing day. And the more organized you are, the faster and easier it will be to manage your business and make money. Being organized instills a sense of confidence in your clients and potential clients. There used to be, and I say used to be, a print shop across the street from my office. I used to walk into the print shop and see scattered files all over the place, discs in disarray. It didn't really instill a lot of confidence that I would want to leave a big print project with them. And I didn't. I walked out never to return. That print shop no longer exists, and I'm not surprised. Bottom line, always be thinking of ways of making your company more organized and that will make it much more efficient and also save you a lot of money. And think about this, when you're on Facebook reading about flying monkeys in Australia or 
looking at some friend of yours or distant acquaintance on a European vacation going down the Rhine River waving at you, what did you learn from that? You really must discern how you spend your time. This is really extremely important to your overall success. Stay focused and stay organized. Jim Ellis is a partner in the law firm of Preston Gates and Ellis. From a stroll on Seattle Center grounds to an afternoon swim in pollution-free Lake Washington or attending a Mariners game in the Kingdom, all have one common denominator, and that's the name of Jim Ellis, who was always involved in the concept level, but also toiled through an often cumbersome process to make these dreams become a reality. And Jim, welcome to Profiles of Experience. What do you consider the greatest challenges facing the Puget Sound region as we enter the next century? I believe the, the really big challenge is going to be maintaining a sense of community and conducting ourselves with mutual respect and civility as we address the challenges that will come up, both uh, physically, economically, and personally, uh, in the in the next few years, uh, it's uh, it's crucial that we not get so caught up in how we feel about each physical, economic, or political challenge that we lose sight uh, of our need to be civil to each other, uh, to share uh, whenever we can uh, a feeling that we're all part of the same ballgame. We are indeed all brothers after all, uh, and. Uh, if we lose sight of that in advocacy or in uh, uh, reaching to win, uh, I think we'll all lose. Are you optimistic that we'll be able to do that? I have to be optimistic, because if one is really pessimistic about that, then one foresees a downhill slide, no matter what the physical circumstances or economic circumstances. I believe at some point we will uh, realize it uh, before we slip into some abyss. What is hopeful is that we might realize it much sooner and then gain from addressing each of the problems that comes along. You're listening to an interview I had with Jim Ellis from over 20 years ago. It was sponsored by U.S. West, the local phone company in the Puget Sound region. I believe that Jim Ellis has had more impact in this region than anybody in modern history. Back with my interview with Jim Ellis. What do you think makes this area unique? Well, obvious to most people is that it is an extremely beautiful natural area. Uh, and that carries with it some mandatory, uh, obligatory sense of stewardship and responsibility that we don't screw it up. <laughs> what do you think are the most important public policy issues this area has made in the last 30 years that has had the most positive impacts on the region? The most positive uh, for me are uh, environmental. We have addressed, in fact, we were among the first in the country to address the need uh, to clean up our water, to stop uh, fouling our nest. Uh, and uh, uh, that was done uh, uh, in the 50s and 60s before there ever was an EPA or before there were any federal grants when this area decided to clean up its uh, lakes, like Washington Lake Sammamish, and its uh, nearby Puget Sound areas, Elliott Bay and surroundings. Uh, that was, I think, uh, a remarkable thing because it involved lots of people cut across all walks of life, 
and because it was done uh, as a matter of local initiative and not as a matter of response to court orders or to federal uh, mandates or even to state mandates. Then uh, what do you think, uh, I guess, along those lines uh, would be opportunities that we may have taken our eye off? I think we missed the boat badly when we didn't approve the opportunity to have uh, a major rapid transit system in place uh, in 1968 and 1970 when we voted down uh, or didn't approve by a sufficient majority would be a better way to put it, uh, the rapid transit proposal that was presented in 68 and 70. That time uh, we would have had full funding from the federal government in the form of a check which Senator Magnuson offered to deliver if the people would vote for that system. We would have had in place a system comparable to MARTA's in uh, Atlanta, which is a beautiful uh, uh, electric transit system, uh, separated right-of-way. Uh, and uh, they built their system with the money that we turned down. Mr. Jim Ellis, thank you very much for spending time on Profiles of Experience. Thank you, Paul. That's all the time we have for this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, your host and producer. My thanks to the late Don James, Adele Ferguson, and the very much alive Jim Ellis for sharing their wisdom and experience with us today during interviews I had with them about 20 years ago. Just want to call out Puget Sound Energy. I had a minor leak in my oven about two weeks ago, and a representative from the Puget Sound Energy was out there in a matter of moments and really helped me assess the situation, just did a wonderful job. A lot of times utility companies and government entities get a lot of grief from us, including me sometimes, but when they do something right, which they did here, I also want to acknowledge that. My name is Paul Casey, your host and producer of Voices of Experience. Give me a call at 206-459-5536 if you want to talk about anything as it relates to the show. You may want to be a guest, or you may want to suggest a future topic that I'm not covering. That's 206-459-5536. Also, if you want to leave a message on voicemail and have it played on the air, you can call 425-653-1166. You may have a different view from what I've talked about or what I've said, or um, you may agree with some of the things on the show. But if you leave the voicemail, Keep it at about 35 to 45 seconds. If it goes much longer than that, I'll have to edit it just for time purposes, and I don't want to do that. Again, that phone number is 425-653-1166. This show talks with people with experience in public affairs, travel, fitness, education, special events, and with an emphasis on entrepreneurship. If you want to consider self-employment, take the self-employment quiz. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com. There are 20 questions, and the higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. Have a great rest of the week.